Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch. This is Webinars with Wendy. This is webinar number 264. We've been doing this for almost two years. I think it's two years uh, in March. Um, and you guys are, have give us great feedback. We love to hear from you and hear comments. So when you go to the Surefooty Fun YouTube channel, just pop a comment in your favorite webinar. We always love to get those and we share them with the presenter so that they can see the comments that you are posting as well. Um, today, my guest is Alicia Harlow. She's back. I think it's, this is your third or fourth yeah. webinar. Third time. Yeah. Third time. It's great. So I've, I'm once somebody hits three, I make a dedicated um, playlist for you. So you'll get that dedicated playlist and I'll put that up there on the channel. Awesome. Um, but today's talk is wildly popular. We had a huge number of people sign up. So I'm really glad we're going to be recording this and people can watch it later on that channel um, if you can't tune in live today. So welcome, Alicia. Thanks for joining me yet again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I always love doing this. So thanks thanks for offering it. All right. So for people who may not know you, and there might be a few, but I kind of doubt it, um, can you just give them a little bit of your background and tell us just a little bit about the Humble Hoof so that they can find out more about that? Sure. Uh, well, historically, I was a public school uh, teacher, and I left that to work on horses full time doing hoof care. Um, I had a horse with navicular disease diagnosed with navicular disease, and it became my passion to get him sound. And once he was comfortable, I just wanted to share that information with others. Um, because of that, I became a full-time hoof care provider just north of Boston, Massachusetts. And I also have a podcast called The Humble Hoof. And that, how many, how many podcasts have you done now? So I think the last one I just published was number 57, 56 okay. or 57. So I started out doing one a month and now I'm doing two a month. So I don't know how you, I mean, you've done a ton. I, it takes a lot of work to do this kind of stuff. So I applaud you for sure. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, and, and if you would like to support webinars with Wendy, you can go to our Patreon page and for just a small amount every month, it just helps us because it does take a lot of work to um, wrangle people and um, get everything we need to, to make this happen. So um, if you really are enjoying the webinars, that would be a great way to support us. It's not required, of course. Um, and so the Humble Hoof can be found, I think it's on Horse Radio News, right? Yep. It's on Horse Radio Network. Um, it's Network. also on my website, thehumblehoof.com. Uh, and if you just Google it, it'll come up. And and who do you have on your podcast? Just as just so people who haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. So for the podcast, I interview vets and farriers around the world about hoof health and soundness. I've also had body workers. I've had an equine dentist. Um, I've had trainers. Um, uh, I've had professionals that do physical therapy or PT type programs, courses, and you've been on it. Yep. So it's a broad range of professionals that work in the horse world. Yeah, it's great. It's really super. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that webinars and the, and the podcasts and things that uh, I'm sure that you've gotten the kind of feedback where people have said it's really benefited them and helped them with their horses. And that's what I hear when I do these ones, especially on the hoof. Um, people really enjoy it and it's making a difference to their horses. And that is, of course, the whole point. Yeah. Yep. All right. So what's today's topic? Perfect. Do you want me to, um, we're going to be talking about frog issues. Uh, obviously the frog that's attached to the horse's foot, not the ribbit kind. Uh, <laughs> do you want me to share my screen? Yep. You, you can go ahead and share away. Great. Let's see. Can you see? Can everybody see this? Not yet. Oh, um, try it again. Oh, It always takes a kind of a second before it really comes up. There we go. We got it. All right. Perfect. Uh, so when Wendy asked me to do another webinar, I was thinking about what I get asked the most. And I know it sounds odd, but you'd be surprised by how many people actually message me or contact me asking if their horses, frogs are healthy based on pictures they send me. Um, and also beyond that, asking about different treatments or why their horses, frogs are unhealthy if they are, um, how to apply different fresh treatments and how to get them to stick or stay on the foot. Uh, so I had enough of these questions that I decided this would be a good topic to address. Um, and one quick thing I want to mention, I told Wendy earlier, when I have this on the slide screen, uh, the slideshow screen, I can't actually see any questions. So Wendy's going to be sort of refereeing any questions for me. Um, I'm not ignoring people if I don't respond to questions that are typed. 
Yep, just put it in the chat or the Q&A. And what I do is I keep track of that and ask Alicia when there's a pause or it seems like an appropriate moment. So you know, you can type all your questions in there and we will fit them in. Great, all right. So why is this important? Why even care about if our horses, frogs are healthy? Um, that's a great question. So at the most basic level, a horse's frog is part of the shock absorbing structures in the back half of the foot. So a healthy hoof moving with purpose, so forward, not just kind of ambling around, should land primarily heel first, which allows the horse to utilize the frog and digital cushion, which is the fatty tissue underneath the frog, as part of the landing process. So the frog's job is to help distribute shock as the horse moves and loads its foot. When the frog is strong and healthy, it can do its job well. We want that. Um, but, you know, the, the hoof being the first point of contact for ground reaction forces and how they're distributed through the soft tissue joints and up the limb, we wanna make sure that frog is healthy. So on the other hand, uh, when the frog is thrushy, painful, weak, underdeveloped, a horse may be unwilling to land confidently heel first. So a horse with a painful frog may shorten its stride to avoid the pain of bearing weight on it. Um, we'll actually see on the next slide how deep thrush can also invade sensitive tissue, which would make the back half of the foot incredibly painful. Um, but even without thrush, a weak frog will not be able to absorb and distribute shock well. So think of going to the gym, uh, you know, strong and well-developed tissues can do more and are less likely to get injured than weak tissue, you know, use it or lose it sort of thing. Uh, another thing I want to mention is that one of the most upsetting things to me is how many horses I've seen diagnosed as a navicular horse that simply had a weak frog and actually became sound once the frog was healthier. And I can get on a soapbox about navicular. Obviously I mentioned that my gelding was diagnosed with navicular. Um, that's for another day, I'm sure. But um, I just want to mention that because it's so important. And of course, not every navicular case is just from a weak frog, but enough of them where I wanna make sure that that is ruled out before a horse is written off as having a serious issue in their caudal structures. So, so is navicular, I mean, the, the term navicular syndrome or navicular diagnosis, um, is it fair to say that the industry is moving more toward the term caudal heel pain because there's so many different possibilities? Right, yes, I would agree with that. And actually, um, there's even a newer term, the pototrochular apparatus, like the pototrochular disease, um, which just like the back half of the foot has so much soft tissue, um, you know, the collateral cartilages, the, uh, the navicular bone, there's so much going on back there that they can't just say it's a navicular issue. Yeah, because um, we've kind of blamed one poor little bone for all of these problems and... <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, you know, along that same line, you know, a horse with bad thrush that becomes lame with, like you said, the caudal hoof pain or heel pain. Um, if that horse nerve blocks down to the foot, um, well, so often if a horse becomes lame with that heel pain, uh, they'll have a vet appointment where they'll perform a Palmer digital nerve block. So what that does is it numbs the back half of the foot. So if they become sound when that nerve block is performed, they're often diagnosed with navicular syndrome if there are no radiograph findings or navicular disease if they see some changes to the bone. Um, so again, why does this bother me so much? Well, these horses might not actually have any pain coming from their soft tissue or their bone despite what is on the radiographs. So even horses with navicular bone damage might not necessarily be in pain from that damage. It could be old news. It could be coincidental findings. So if we catch thrush issues or frog issues early, we can often get these horses sound relatively easily if that's their problem. But on the other hand, if the thrush goes untreated, the chronic shortened stride and toe first landings from that horse avoiding loading a painful frog can actually lead to permanent internal damage. And I know that you know Dr. James Rooney really well. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
in his book called The Lame Horse, it was published in 1974, uh, he stated that soft tissue damage preceded bone damage in navicular cases and also mentioned that toe-first landings can cause soft tissue damage, like a repetitive strain type injury. Because these structures weren't made to land toe-first, the forces aren't being distributed properly. So these horses can, you know, have just a thrush or frog issue. They can nerve block sound to the back half of their foot. They can be diagnosed with navicular, and then they can go on this whole navicular path where they're treated as a navicular uh, case, put in corrective shoeing, getting injections, get put on NSAIDs, um, and owners will be doing all these things that ultimately end up masking pain. And instead of trying to do you know, something simple like rehab the frog, get the frog better, get better movement, um, and prevent more permanent damage with poor biomechanics, these horses end up perpetuating their damage. So I wanna stop that before it happens. So we'll look at the next slide. And this- There's this warning on that next slide, isn't there? <laughs> I know, I want to say, so um, yes, there. the next slide does include a dissection. So if anybody's oh, um, kind of famous about that. The lame that. horse, it was Dr. James Rooney. And uh, this picture here is a horse that was diagnosed with navicular. Um, he's knock on wood, Wait, sound. We don't have a new slide. Uh, this picture on this slide, the oh. one with the chestnut horse. Okay. With your so you thumb. can see that he has that um, weaker frog in the left picture. And then the right picture was after a few months of just moving better. Oh, wow. That's the same foot. Wow. That's impressive. It is. Yes. So yes, these are a, a little bit gruesome pictures. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, so how do frog issues cause lameness? Well, you can see here, um, these photos uh, are from Kate Simmer. She's a fantastic barrier in Pennsylvania. Um, these are pictures from when she did a, a dissection clinic with Paige Poss. Um, and you can see that that was a central sulcus infection that went straight through the frog into the sensitive tissue. Um, and again, quoting Dr. James Rooney, if horses are avoiding their heel so much that they're causing repetitive toe first movement, it can lead to internal issues from impo improper loading um, of that foot. So. So what is a healthy frog? Um, so we'll start with appearance. Dr. Bowker, who I know has been on these um, webinars a handful of times, he's great. Um, he has spent a lot of time studying the microscopic makeup of the frog in the palmer or, or caudal hoof. Um, he talked extensively about the frog at the 2019 NAEP symposium. And he made a comment that stuck with me he said something along the lines of the widest part of the frog should be about 75% of the width of the widest part of the foot. I'm hoping that I remember that correctly because I was trying to find my notes from them, but notes from three years ago are, are gone now. <laughs> uh, I had read, I've also read um, varying numbers online. Other sources have said that the widest part of the frog should be two thirds the length of the frog. Um, so the, the frog should be at least two thirds wide as it is long. Uh, but overall, I think the important takeaway is that the back of the frog should be wide and healthy. When palpated, so when you take your fingers and kind of squish the frog in those heel bulbs, um, it should feel like a firm rubber eraser. It shouldn't be easy, easily squished. Uh, you shouldn't see a lot of frog flaps, holes, or crevices. And the central sulcus, which is the very middle part of the frog. Let's see this area. I don't know if you can see my cursor. Yep, we can. This, okay. This area is the central sulcus. It should be similar to just a shallow thumbprint. So that shouldn't be very deep. So we'll go on to the next. So how do we identify a weak frog? We just talked about what a healthy frog looks like. Um, so the first thing I look for when I pick up a horse's foot is the central sulcus. So how deep is it? Can I get my hoof pick into it? Um, so that would be like this right here, the central sulcus. I'm looking at all of these when I pick up a foot. Um, I also look at or, or feel what the texture of the frog is. You can see this one, that's definitely not like a firm rubber eraser. All these frogs were pretty squishy and unhealthy. Um, I look to see if the frog is, is narrow or thin. Um, does it have holes or flaps? You know, all of these have little flaps and holes and crevices. And from the lateral view, uh, I look to see, you know, does this 
hoof have a collapsed hairline? Are the heel bulbs almost on the ground? Does it have a weak heel? Um, this doesn't necessarily mean that that horse will have thrush, but it usually means, it means that back half of the foot is very weak and it possibly can mean that the horse has been avoiding loading the back half of the foot um, to stimulate those structures. Now, some feet, when they have thrush or frog issues, will actually go in the opposite direction in compensation for a weak frog. So they might grow extensive bar material. Um, so that's this bar material that goes around the frog here. Um, they you're might on the bottom right picture. It's a little hard to see your cursor. So if you just tell us which picture it's on, that just guides us a bit. Yes, this bottom right picture right here. Um, now, to be fair, this horse was overgrown, which I'm sure you can tell from the picture. Um, but these bars, this is a similar uh, example of what you might see on a horse that has a very weak frog. They'll sometimes grow bar around their entire frog in compensation for that. Um, they might grow high heels uh, as a form of protection to get that frog off the ground. But in saying that, it's also a little bit of a chicken and egg scenario um, because horses with very upright feet and high heels can also have weak frogs because they have a chronic lack of stimulation of, of the frog. So if a horse has really higher upright heels and that frog is never contacting the ground, it can become chronically weak and atrophied. Um, and so with many things of the hoof, uh, it can become a vicious cycle. You know, this horse has higher heels, so their frog's not getting stimulation. But then if you just try to chop those heels off, they can become really sore because then they're trying to load on a very weak frog. Do we know where the name frog came from? I actually don't know. And I'm sure someone does. I've, I've never even it's, looked. It's kind of interesting, right? I mean, um, it just, I just listening to you, it just made me wonder where the name, the term has come from, but. Yeah, I'm sure it came from some description of, of how the frog, I don't know, acts or <laughs> looks, but yeah, I never really thought about that. All right. So I'm sure somebody will go out and Google it for us and put it up in the chat. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> um, so now, so often I see people comment that their horse absolutely doesn't have thrush because the feet are dry and there's no wet flat gunk. Um, so I want to mention that it's a little bit of a misconception that thrush is only an issue in wet environments. So these images here are from Pete Ramey's thrush article. Uh, it's on hoofrehab.com. He actually has two articles. One is called um, Thrush Treatments, which is great. And another is called Thrush, More Than a Cosmetic Flaw. Both are good. I suggest you read both of them if you're worried about thrush. Um, so these were added to those articles to show desert thrush. So desert thrush occurs when microbes settle into a very dry frog, resulting in an incredibly painful deep central sulcus infection. So right in the middle of that frog, you can see those splits go almost to the hairline. So I personally don't see cases like this. Um, I live in wet New England. We don't often dry out our feet very much. Um, in fact, I went to go do a mentorship in California and their, um, their wet season was their feet on their wet season hooves were similar to like my drought hooves. So it was very funny to compare the two. Um, so many friends that I see in California or, or you know, in drier environments have said that they, they do see this desert thrush. Um, so that's something to be aware of in a drier environment. So this next slide as well, um, I did wanna warn this next one is also graphic. I'm sorry, I try not to make things graphic and gory. I actually don't like it, but um, there are things that I've actually seen myself. So uh, I think it's helpful to have others be able to identify it. So this next one, um, this is canker. So this is an example of an unhealthy frog, but canker is not thrush. Um, canker is an infectious process. And there is some uncertainty as to what actually causes it. Uh, even with the known causative bacteria and fungus, they have not been able to consistently replicate canker in horses in studies. Um, it does seem that stalled horses are more prone to it. Um, and th this horse that I saw, he actually developed it after um, the beginning of COVID 
where we weren't allowed to go to the barn. No farriers, anybody except for emergency vets were allowed to go to the barn at the beginning of COVID for four months, which I understand the barn owner, we were, nobody was really certain how it spread. So, um, you know, he was, he, nobody was picking out his feet or looking at his feet or, you know, he wasn't getting a ton of turnout. So, uh, Basically, canker is a microbial invasion of the frog and can extend to other parts of the hoof. And it, it causes excessive growth or pro proliferation of tissue. And you might see, um, it might look like a cauliflower, like the frog might look like, has cauliflower type growth. Um, some have what look like tentacles growing out of it. You can see on this one, these were almost all little fingers of frog but some of those were actually hard, like hoof horn, like part of the heel. Um, the frog is usually incredibly sensitive. It usually bleeds very easily. And if trimmed, the tissue is typically white or gray, very soft, squishy, and it, it's gross, but it's kind of similar to a cottage cheese type texture. And it smells horrific if you trim it. <laughs> really bad. It's a smell you will never forget. Worse than the worst abscess you have ever seen. It's terrible. Um, this is actually a case that um, I worked on with a veterinarian. Typically, these cases need a very dry environment. Uh, moisture seems to exacerbate the issue. Uh, it needs to be debrided where here we actually cut away any of the diseased tissue, you know, getting down to very raw frog. And then it needs daily topical treatment of something like canker paste, um, which is a mixture of metronidazole and a benzyl peroxide solution. Um, this case took months and months. It's very difficult. I just wanted to point that out because some people think, oh my goodness, my horse has horrible thrush and it might be canker. So I just want to get that on your radar. And, <laughs> and they don't really have a good handle on the cause. They don't, they know the bacteria and fungus that they find in canker cases, but horses in the same environment don't all get it. Horses all exposed to it don't all get it. So they've been trying to replicate, you know, our horses that are stalled more likely to get it, our horses that are kept in poor conditions more likely to get it. And it does seem to be that stalled horses and horses in a, you know, a degree of kind of dirt and grime in terms of like manure and urine seem more, more susceptible. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's not a fun thing to go through. Right. <laughs> Oops. There we go. <laughs> oh, I skipped one. There we go. <laughs> um, so what can cause frog issues? And I sort of just touched upon this, but, um, I want to take a second to clarify again that thrush is not just caused by a wet environment. So please don't just blame mud or wet season. I hear this a lot. You know, I'll come up to a horse and I'll tell the owner, oh, you should treat for thrush. And they're like, oh yeah, it's just been raining so much. And it's not just from wet environments. A strong frog on a healthy horse should not succumb to thrush, even if it lives in a wet environment. The tissue should be healthy enough to fight off those bad microbes. Uh, and we want to encourage healthy growth from the inside out so the frog can resist bacteria and fungus and we want to use topicals, topical treatments as necessary that make the environment on the horse's actual foot not favorable to the common microbes they see every day. So as odd as, odd as it sounds, um, the first thing I have owners change when I see weak hooves in general is the diet. And I've done a previous webinar with Wendy about this. I've done a webinar with Yogi Sharp um, about, about diet as well. Um, so you can also reference those, but a very, very brief synopsis is that a mineral imbalance such as low copper and zinc alongside high dietary iron can wreak havoc on hooves, um, including frog tissue. So copper and zinc are needed for a healthy horse in general. And if it is lacking in the horse, the feet suffer. So alongside that, not just mineral balancing, but uh, high sugar and starch in the diet can also affect the quality of the hoof. Um, I have had owners who had addressed all the environmental factors for frog health and they kept having thrush, kept having thrush, kept having thrush. You know, they're picking out the feet every day, treating it with all kinds of things and thrush wouldn't go away until the owners 
added more copper and zinc in the diet or tested their hay and did mineral balancing or removed some of the high sugar and starch feed that the horse was on. So this could be an entire webinar in itself. Um, so I won't make it that, um, you know, it, it basically was. You can go to the first webinar I did with Wendy called The Owner's Role in Hoof Rehab um, and also my webinar with Yogi Sharp called Barefoot Versus Shod. Um, that was just this past fall in 2021. We go much more in depth about diet and those. But it makes sense. You know, I mean, um, our nails reflect our internal health and it makes sense that the horse's hooves reflect their internal health. And so um, I, I, I think it's totally um, makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know I, I heard something recently about how the horse, if you're feeding just the NRC requirements of minerals, or I mean, a lot of people feed below the NRC requirements of minerals, all that the horse needs is going to its vital organs and soft tissue first. And the feet are the last to get, the feet and the coat are the last to get those minerals. Um, so a lot of times we need to pay careful attention to the mineral balancing to ensure that you know, those lesser parts of the horse are actually getting all it needs and not just what the horse needs to survive. So someone's asking how much you think soil type is a factor such as alkaline limestone or acidic peat. You know what, I've had a lot of people talk or, or mention about different kinds of soil and pH levels and soil testing, and I have not explored it very much, but I'm sure it does play a role. I know that different kinds of soil can stimulate the foot very differently. Um, so that would be something to explore too. But I've had, you know, when I went to go visit Rockley Farm in the UK, I saw horses that were standing in mud up to their fetlock that did not have one spot of thrush because their diet was amazing. So just something to consider as well. Well, and one of the reasons Lexington, Kentucky is what it is, is it's a limestone base. Um, oh yeah? Yeah. Right. That it used sense. to be an ocean. I, when I lived there, I used to dig up seashells when I planted a garden. <laughs> That's so cool. I didn't realize that. Uh -huh. That's great. Um, and so the, oh yes, I, I forgot where I was. Here we are. Um, so if I see chronic thrush that still just won't go away with ideal diet and environment, uh, I always question if there's some undiagnosed metabolic issue going on. Um, so that might warrant some blood testing with the vet. Um, so that might be, you know, a horse with undiagnosed PPID or unregulated PPID, which is Cushing's, uh, they can have really crummy frogs just from their, their body, their endocrinopathic system is just not working well. Um, and also horses that have EMS or equine metabolic syndrome, they can have crummy frogs too, as you know, poor feet in general, if they're, they're. Um, issue isn't controlled, their metabolic issue isn't controlled. So once diet is addressed and metabolic issues are addressed, lack of movement can also affect frog strength and health. So again, a frog that's standing in one place all day, especially if it's in manure, urine, you know, poor conditions, um, it won't be as strong as a frog moving miles and miles a day. Uh, a frog moving over a variety of rocks, um, you know, it's stimulating and creating a frog callus. It's going to have healthier tissue than a frog that never touches another surface. Um, think about a person again, that goes to the gym, uses a variety of equipment versus someone who sits on a couch all day. Uh, that's going to affect their body strength and composition. And it's the same as with a horse's frog, you know, use it or lose it basically. And of course, you know, coming back to movement, toe first movement, if they're landing toe first and avoiding their frog altogether, that's also not gonna, going to allow good frog stimulation, even if the horse is moving constantly. Um, so if you have a horse that maybe gets a really aggressive trim one day and it results in the horse moving sore and short strided, um, this can actually contribute to weaker frogs if the horse isn't willing to comfortably load the back half of its foot. Um, and then again, one last comment about club feet or upright feet. Um, they, club feet especially, won't have the same amount of frog stimulation as uh, a horse with normal angles, um, just because they're, it's so much higher off the ground. Um, 
we go much more in depth into what causes frog issues in a podcast episode I did with Sam Austin of Red Horse Products and um, Joe Sexton, who's actually a microbiologist. Um, if you want to take a look at that, they explain it much better than I can. <laughs> but we'll get on to what I do, which is you know working with the hoof in front of me. So when it comes to treating the frog, um, there are right ways and wrong ways to do it. So I thought it'd be helpful to, to mention some of those. And it's surprising how many times I get contacted um, about somebody who has a thrush product and they're just not sure how to best use it. Um, some of them can be quite expensive to buy, so you don't wanna use more than necessary as well. So while we're waiting for all those great diet changes to take place and grow a healthier frog, uh, treatments often necessary. Um, so first I look for non-caustic options to apply to the foot. Um, the last thing I want to apply is something that will cause more pain or will cause damage to healthy tissue. Um, this can in turn make the horse move less comfortably, which we talked about will just lead to perpetuating problems. Uh, some options that I see often talked about, um, one is Pete's goo and the recipe is on, um, hoofrehab.com on that thrush article I mentioned before. Um, I will say I actually have not used Pete's goo in, in quite some time. Uh, the new recipe includes copper sulfate and there has been some question as to how safe copper sulfate actually is. Um, so I, I know that so many farriers use it and it's in so many products and I'm not going to go out there and tell you all to stop using it, but I personally, for myself, um, do not <laughs> try not to use it if I can avoid it. Um, what I have used and do use, um, for soaks, I'll use Oxine AH. If you Google it, it will come up. Um, it is a, uh, basically like a generic white lightning or clean tracks soak. Um, but that is for more, usually more invasive issues that we'll talk about. Uh, what I use daily, uh, typically are red horse products. That's my daily go-to, um, especially the Artemud hoof stuff and soul cleanse. And we'll talk about when you might use each of those. Um, but I've also used and like, um, pure soul is another company I've used their clay, their wax and their hoof oil. Um, I've used Melanie's Pine Paste from HealFirstImpact.com. Uh, I like that a lot. And there's a new product that's recently come out by Christina Brogdon called Toe Jam. Um, and what I like about all these is that they're made with natural ingredients, meaning I can get them on my fingers. I'm not worried that it's going to damage my skin or be absorbed and cause me any health issues. And if there's something that I'm applying to my horse's frog that I don't want on my skin, I don't also want it on the sensitive tissue of their foot. Um, so in that regard, I avoid alcohols or drying agents like formaldehyde. Um, they can cause micro fissures in the frog and the hoof, which actually over time, make it more susceptible to further infection and it can dry out healthy tissue. So a lot of the time, you know, that includes like thrush buster, um, things that are, I'm trying to think of other, now that I don't use them, I can't even think of yeah. what one. Somebody's are. asking about hoof flex. Um, you know what? I have seen that, but I haven't looked at the ingredients. So I can't tell you, especially if it's good. I will say, I hate to say this, but I've had probably three or four clients that have bought it and, and used it. And I did not see any improvement in their thrush. Okay. And so, somebody else is asking about Equiderma's hoof thrush white line formula. I have not used Equiderma, but I know, I think Megan Hensley has talked a lot about Equiderma and she seems to have really good results with it. Um, and I would trust if she says that something's good, that it's probably pretty good. So um, it, it sounds like one of the things that we should do is read the ingredients list. Absolutely. Yes. And that podcast episode I mentioned, um, the thrush one on the humble hoof goes through, um, better explanations of each ingredient and why it isn't good. Um, but typically I look for ingredients that I can pronounce and <laughs> ones that I wouldn't mind putting on my own skin. Yeah. I, I have used the art and mud and I, I love that stuff. I think it's, I great. love it. Yes, I, I do too. And we'll talk a little bit about it in, in not the next slide, but the slide after. Okay. Um, 
But one thing I do want to mention too, because I see it meant, I see it recommended so much on social media is, um, antibiotic, like topical antibiotics for thrush. And I'm sure a lot of you are saying, oh, I've never used a topical antibiotic for thrush, but the products today and tomorrow, they're actually the name of the product today. And tomorrow it's a cow mastitis cream. It comes in like a little squirty tube. Um, those are a topical antibiotic. And one thing that I'm really careful with, um, in terms of, of anything that we do with our horse is antibiotic resistance. Um, so, so many people will take that product and just use it once or twice and say their thrush is gone. We're all good. And they stop, uh, technically if it's an antibiotic, you need to do a complete course of it, um, to avoid growing like super thrush bugs that are resistant to every treatment. Um, so we need to be really careful on how we're using some of the products. And I tend to avoid those altogether. One, because I am worried about antibiotic resistance, but also because I haven't needed them once I've used some of these other products. So if that says anything, you know, um, and again, I don't see desert thrush very often, but, uh, Pete Ramey in his article does talk about getting the feet wet daily to just allow that tissue to soften and make it easier to treat and encourage good hoof growth. So someone's asking if you have ever used cider vinegar or have any experience with cider vinegar. You know what? I've used apple cider vinegar in a mix of 50, 50 with water. And sometimes I'll include, you know, a drop or two of some essential oils, um, as a daily preventative. I have wanted so badly for it to get rid of thrush, but I have not seen it actually get rid of, you know, very, um, established thrush. I have used it as like a spray to clean the foot. And I do think it prevents thrush pretty well, but it's not gonna, it's not, if you will, strong enough to deal with it once it's started. I haven't seen that. And maybe it's because I mean, I don't think that 50, 50 with water is very dilute, but maybe I'm doing it too dilute to see a big difference. Um, but I do think that it's, it's great to have on hand for cleaning and prevention. So what, uh, I guess my question is, what is it about apple cider vinegar that makes it a good thing to spray on your horses with? The vinegar itself will kill, well, I mean, it should kill bad microbials and, and things that will be um, causing issue. Because of the acidity, um, is that kind of the... Exactly, yeah. And in the episode, uh, Joe Sexton, who's the microbiologist, he talks about how apple cider vinegar and white vinegar, they're both fine to use and they shouldn't have much difference in um, what you see in terms of effectiveness. Because I know people have asked white vinegar versus apple cider vinegar as well before. Um, so and actually... The, vinegar, vinegar because of the acidity. Right, yeah. And actually the Oxine AH soaks, you do mix it. The... Um, Directions are on Pete Ramey's website. You don't buy it from him, but he has the directions for a hoof soak. Um, you do mix it with vinegar. So it does. So we're basically trying to affect the pH to, to make it un undesirable for these little buggers to get going. Right, exactly. All right. So um, the probably one of the most common types of thrush that I see is deep central sulcus thrush. So that is the thrush that is right in the middle of the frog and, you know, can go right up to the hairline. Um, so you would think that now that you, you know, can identify thrush and you can have your thrush products, um, that you're good to go, but you'd be surprised at how many people, especially with this kind of thrush in their horse's frog have no idea how to, um, to effectively get treatment into that area. And I totally understand it. It's, it can be difficult. Um, so if it's used in, if the treatments are used ineffectively, the tr they can just come right out or, or just do nothing. And you think that you just can't get rid of your horse's thrush. So when it comes to central sulcus infections, the very first thing that I do, which you know, should be common sense is to clean it out. So pick it out with a hoof pick. Um, you can do some wire brushing. Uh, you should always be very careful when wire brushing a sensitive frog because it can be painful. Um, so you can also floss the frog with some gauze. So you can take a piece of gauze. You can, you know, put a few drops of, if you want to do the apple cider vinegar on that or something like soul cleanse, which is a um, red horse product. That's a liquid and spray it on there and actually get the, 
gauze in between in that crack and just kind of pull it back and forth, just like flossing it, flossing your teeth. Um, you know, just to make sure that it's not packed with mud or dirt or anything else. It doesn't have to be perfectly clean. Um, once I make sure that it's clean, my first go-to, and they, I've not been paid to say this. I'm not sponsored by them. I just love their products. Uh, my first go-to is red horse hoof stuff. So it, it is a, um, cotton fiber and honey and zinc oxide mixture. So when you pull it out of the tub, it actually is little strands of cotton fiber. And so what I do is I take my hoof pick and I pull the tiniest amount I can. It might just look like a few strands of cotton. And I take my hoof pick, just like in this left picture way over here, and I push it down carefully because it can be sensitive. I push it down as far as it will go into that crevice. So this is what um, my friend's horse's hoof looked like after we had applied the hoof stuff. Um, it's, it's a white, you know, product and I push it all the way down. You can see some of the white of the product down, like into his hairline, because that's how deep the, um, thrush went, the central sulcus infection went. And these are actually all the same horse. These five pictures to the right here. Whoops. That's not what I meant to do. There we go. These five pictures to the right here, are all the same horse. Um, and you can see the progress that we made with his frogs using um, that method of pressing that treatment as far as we could get it in between the heel bulbs and in that middle of the frog. Uh, one thing I'll mention is less is more. And this is true for most thrush treatments. I know that you think, oh my goodness, my horse's frog is so bad. I'm going to slather it with everything that I can. But if you put too much in the central sulcus, it will just come right out. And then it's not effective at all. The, the, all, the other thing is that the cotton fibers will actually act as a stimulant in the middle of that frog to help stimulate positive tissue growth. So we want it to stay in there as long as possible. And because of that, I actually typically leave it in for a few days at a time. I might only replace it three to four times a week. Sometimes I have owners that can't get to the barn every day and they replace it once a week. And usually if it's applied well, this product should stay in until you take it out. Which so can tell be us what the ingredients are again. It's honey. just um, cotton fibers, honey, and zinc oxide. So I, I don't know if you know a lot about honey. Um, Joyce Harmon, the vet, her mother was an international beekeeper. Um, oh, wow. And honey is such an amazing thing. Um, you can use it with burns, but what it does is it forms an oxygen layer against the skin. So in other words, the, the honey brings, you know, creates an oxygen layer, which of course negative, you know, bad bacteria doesn't like oxygen, right? Yeah. Um, like, ew. so that the fact that it's got honey in it is, super cool. Um, the other comment I want to make about these pictures, um, just going back to Dr. Bowker's, is that you've clearly made changes to the trim. And as you've made changes to the trim and treated the frog, everything's plumped up in the back of the foot. And I know he talks about um, that trim in terms of changing the foot so that the frog actually unvolutes. In other words, it's doing this and now it comes out like this. Yes. So I always say when I look at these pictures, the first thing I notice are the heel bulbs yeah. is how much they've kind of decontracted and widened. And a lot of times people will, will say like, oh, their horse has a really contracted foot and that's just how it is. And that's why, you know, they have issues and that will always be how it is. But the hoof is a living structure and it can adapt and change and grow and develop. And we just have to give it the chance to, <laughs> uh, so I'm, um, I love these pictures just because especially this bottom one here, you can really yeah. see how pinched these heel bulbs are and then how much they opened. Um, this top picture here, obviously I did remove his shoes and you can clearly see they were well overdue. Yep. Um, he's actually overgrowing his shoe. Um, but these pictures, I think were only five or 10 weeks apart, either one cycle or two cycles apart. Wow. So, so, so that combination of getting, taking off the shoe, changing the trim and treating the thrush. I mean, it's, it right. sounds like you've got to do all of that because you've got to help the back of that foot. Right. Yes. Now these pictures down here were over a year apart just because I didn't have a good solar view to compare. Uh, but when I took this one and just noticed that you can see this 
central sulcus is maybe, you know, maybe a tiny bit deeper than a thumbprint, but you can still clearly see the bottom. It's nice and open. And these heel bulbs were nice and wide. I was happy to have those two together, even though the time frame was longer than, you know, a wow factor type <laughs> before and after. Um, yeah, so I think I, I talked, yeah, we talked about the contraction of that. And this horse, um, I should mention too, he was a chronic founder case uh, that had, you know, rotation in both fronts. He was, um, he had chronic Lyme, soft tissue issues. Uh, he's now comfortable over all surfaces. So I try not to write off any horses. Uh, so here, you know, you get to a point where treating the frog um, with that central sulcus infection, ideally you want that central sulcus infection to open up and widen. But then you get to the point where then your cotton fibers or whatever, you know, treatment that's made to fit in very narrow crevices won't stick. It'll just keep popping out. Um, the hoof stuff that I use won't stay in shallow crevices. So often I tell owners that they can then graduate <laughs> to a different product. Um, so this is where we turn to things like clays um, or sprays. So again, like I mentioned before, I really like Artemud. This picture on the bottom left, that's a you know, little bit of Artemud over the back half of the frog on a, on a horse that I see. Um, and as counterintuitive as it is, I want to apply it as thinly as possible. You know, you want to cover the area, but if it gets too thick and chunky, it will come right off. So I want to smear it with my thumb so that it's just a thin layer, like icing, like a thin layer of icing. Um, and that actually usually makes it stay in longer too. I've had owners tell me, oh my goodness, I put Artemud in my horse's frog four days ago and I can still see it, even if they're living out in, you know, a, a pasture. So it can usually stay pretty well if you apply it uh, more conservatively. Um, so if you're going to boot the horse, like have turnout boots or riding boots, or if you're going to put a shoe package on, you can add more and really slather it. Um, a lot of times, you know, if I'm putting a horse in a glue on package, I'll add it pretty liberally, like a, a thrush clay pretty liberally, uh, because I want it when I take that glue on package back off, I want to still be able to see it or at best, you know, at worst, not be able to see any thrush, even if the product is gone. So someone's asking if you also use Artemud in the collateral sulci. I do. Yes. Um, but it depends, obviously if there's no thrush there and it doesn't seem like it needs it. I won't, um, these products, I I'll be honest, they can be expensive. Um, especially because red horse products are from the UK. Uh, we have to import them. Uh, there are dealers over here, but dealers also have to pay import fees. So their prices are higher. Um, so the more conservative we can be with the product, if the horse doesn't need it in their collateral grooves, I won't add it there. All right. So uh, sometimes thrush seems persistent despite treatment. Um, That's so frustrating because I've been there. Um, obviously we need to make sure that diet is on track, that you didn't accidentally get in um, hay that's really high in sugar and you have a metabolic horse and suddenly their frogs went downhill or you know, make sure that uh, you didn't change their feet or, or do something that allowed their foot to be more susceptible to those um, microbes in their environment. Um, and also, again, always checking for any metabolic issues if it's a sudden change. Um, you know, but if it's a more invasive issue and it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with uh, their diet or their metabolic status or their environment, or if you can't change any of those things at the moment, especially, um, I will utilize soaks. Like I mentioned, the Oxine AH, um, Clean Tracks, White Lightning. I wanna make sure that I'm hitting all those areas of infection. And each of those, after you soak the foot, you then take the foot out of the liquid and wrap the foot in plastic and um, duct tape it at the top. So then the, the actual gases of the product are still permeating through the foot for like another 45 minutes. So you're really making sure that it's getting everywhere where there could be trapped um, bacteria or fungi. 
Um, I, one thing that I'm always careful about is I never like giving trim advice over social media or giving trim advice without seeing the horse. But if I come, you know, you, you want to consider trim changes if needed for a, a frog that's chronically thrushy. Um, you know, do we need to carefully open up any flaps or holes? Do we need to carefully open up the central sulcus? Uh, maybe trial, uh, slightly lowering the heel. And obviously I can't say any of this. Don't go try it on your horse without, um, very careful consideration because obviously if we do any trim changes that then makes the horse sore, um, we just caused a, a whole host of other issues. Um, so we don't want that, but sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, allowing that frog more stimulation and opening up any areas that might be trapping anaerobic bacteria that, you know, thrives on not getting air and, and, and sunlight in there. Um, and one thing that I will often ask owners, especially if they have horses at their house, is if they're able to add four to six inches of pea gravel, especially around their water trough. And I mentioned the water trough because horses go to drink you know, a multiple times a day. Um, some people will put it right at their gate, uh, if they turn horses in and out, but you know, a horse might walk over that area twice a day, but if they're going to the water multiple times a day, they're ideally stimulating their feet with that pea gravel. And if it's four to six inches deep, it's actually very therapeutic, not just to the frog, but also to the soul. It's a gentle stimulation. And when it's that deep, you could actually kneel in it. Uh, and it doesn't hurt. I know a lot of people are wary that gravel is going to hurt their sensitive horses' souls, but um, it's actually very comfortable for them when it's that deep. Yeah, and pea gravel is really smooth. It's um... right. Yeah, it's a so. Um, uh, when I ordered my pea gravel, I ordered. I had to say round stone because I guess there's various types of of or pea gravel means different things to different places apparently. Um, I think it was three sixteenths of, of an inch round stone is what I got. Um, and Dr. Bowker, his entire paddock is pea gravel. Um, Pete Ramey loves pea gravel. Uh, it's just a good stimulus for their feet. So I just actually have one more slide. Um, so obviously we talked about all these unhealthy hooves and unhealthy frogs. Uh, so I wanted to show some pictures of um, healthy frogs. And this is, you know, if your horse's frog doesn't look like these, you might, you, I'm not going to say you do, but you might have an issue. So, uh, take a look at your horse's foot and really consider if some changes need to happen. Um, and again, uh, I do have a podcast episode just on thrush with Sam Austin and Joe Sexton. If you Google the humble hoof thrush, it should come right up. What I love about this picture is that they're all healthy frogs and yet every foot is so different. Yeah. Yeah. These are all horses that I see and trim. Well, this one's a mule. Okay. Um, I was wondering about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he has, um, this mule actually had a very deep central sulcus infection that was horrible. I mean, went up to his hairline. Um, so you can still, you can see it on donkeys and mules too. It's not just a horse issue. So, but yeah, it, that's, it is so fascinating just to look at the different shapes that, uh, you know, when you're only looking at your own horse, you don't realize the variation that exists. Um, right. and I think this is a fabulous picture just for that reason. Yeah. Yep. So that's the main bulk of what I had to say. So if anybody had any other questions, I'm happy to answer them if I can. Yep. So, so bottom line, if we were to bottom line this, Thrush is a, is a bacterial infection of the foot um, that it has multiple causes, but it's really important to treat. And it's also important to look at the other factors that are involved because you might be missing something really critical like diet, which is what this is a symptom of rather than thinking that it's just a foot problem. Right, exactly. If you have a healthy horse and their skin is healthy, their hooves are healthy, their frogs are healthy, they're going to be able to fight off that bacteria that they meet every single day in their environment. Um, if you have a horse that's not meeting their, their mineral needs or they're not healthy in their body, then their feet are going to not be able to as readily fight off those microbes that they're, they're walking over. So somebody's asking, so it's clean, soak, treat, repeat, uh, but it might not be soak. It might be an, a different product. 
Right. I actually very rarely utilize soaks because very rarely do I want the whole foot softened or the whole foot wet for an extended period of time in my area because I'm in a very wet environment. Um, so usually if I have a horse that needs some clean track soaks or oxygen AH, it's typically actually for abscesses, but if it's for thrush, I might have the owner do it, um, once a week for, you know, two or three weeks and then be done with it. Um, and then just use the topical clays or the cotton fiber treatment or like a quick spray whenever they pick their horse's feet. And so the bottom line is that, well, let me, that brings me to another question about picking out the feet every day. I know Dr. Bowker always talks about leaving that dirt plug in there. Um, if you have a healthy foot, do you, do, do you, can you let it go and not clean it every day? Uh, yes. So I feel like there's a lot of caveats to this, but <laughs> if your horse is in a good environment, like I don't have any issue with mud. Most of the time, my issue is if there's lots of urine and manure in that mud. So if the horse is in, you know, pretty clean dirt and it's packing its foot and, you know, moving a lot, even with that hoof pack in there, that's actually going to act as a form of stimulation to the back half of the foot, kind of like a sole pack. So I don't worry as much about that. It's more that if I see horses that are in their stalls, they're standing in shavings that are, you know, even dry shavings can have a little bit of urine in them um, as they're very absorbent. Um, and I worry about that staying in the foot too long and, and causing degeneration of the tissue. So, so somebody's saying they can't get to the barn every day and their, their horse trashes or stall at night and walks in the urine, but isn't that a, an opportunity for something like Artemud, which would kind of uh, be in those sulci and kind of act as a bit of a barrier to uh, things getting up in there? Yes, exactly. The reason why I like the products that I do, the clays and that hoof stuff packing is the hoof stuff. I've had owners that had to leave it in and could only replace it once every other week. And it should, if packed in properly and used sparingly so that it's not one big chunk, it should stay in there until you take it back out. And when it's in there, it's preventing other bad things from getting in that central sulcus. And the Artemud also acts as a barrier. Another um, product I love is Hoof Armor, which is a Kevlar-based oh, epoxy. And I'm it is ask. antimicrobial. It does, so that itself I can put right on the frog and it does fight thrush itself. Um, the, because of supply chain issues, they're having a lot of trouble. I think they're out of stock right now. Um, oh, so mine is very valuable. I should hang on. I know. I said that too. I told owners, like, you know, I don't know if we'll be able to do this next time I see you. Cause I have one tube left. Um, where is that, is that, uh, made in the U S or does it come from somewhere else? And hence the supply chain problems. So the company is based out of Pennsylvania, but I know that there's one component. I don't know if it's a component of the actual tube, like some plastic yeah. part, or if it's some um, component within the actual uh, uh, product, um, but he can't get it. So they said they're not going to have any until April. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I've been in massive supply chain problems that we are just now starting to sort out, but haven't completely... Um, so yeah, so it, it's, <laughs> hopefully we'll get everything under control. Um, so somebody's just making a comment that diet works well. She has PPID metabolic horse, switched the diet and her chronic abscesses. And she had chronic abscesses thrush, used white lightning soak, Pete Ramey's goo after a year, she's thrush free. And it's crazy how much diet impacts the hooves. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. she's now using the epidura, uh, equidura once a week. So, um, and it, and a balancer. So basically what I think the bottom line here, then if I can kind of wrap this up is that the thrush is an indication that there is something going on. And if you don't address the something going on, you're not really going to be able to get rid of the thrush. Right. Exactly. I think that, um, diet and addressing metabolic issues will be a huge help. And along the way into figuring that out, topical treatments will help manage it. Right. So keeping it at bay while we serve, solve the larger problems. Exactly. Awesome. All righty. Well, just go ahead and unshare your screen. We'll wrap this up. This has been really great. Um, I want to thank you so much. And oh, before we leave, tell everybody, even though it, right now it's full, tell everybody about the event you have coming up. Oh, yes. So in April uh, 9th and 10th in Ipswich, Massachusetts, I'm hosting a podiatry clinic. 
Uh, it is with Stuart Muir from Root and Riddle, Yogi Sharp from The Equine Documentalist, Paige Poss, who um, is from Anatomy of the Equine. She is a great anatomist. And Derek Poupard, who um, is a farrier for Godolphin Racing. He actually trains racehorses barefoot. Um, the four of them, I got them to come to all, uh, all together to one place and we're going to be doing, um, dissection. We're going to be doing radiograph analysis with my vets on live horses. We're going to be doing hands-on gluing and hands-on hoof casting. Um, right now it is full, but there are auditor spots available, um, for people that want to come audit and not do any of the hands-on stuff. Um, and I do have a wait list if people want to join the wait list to see if anybody, um, if a spot opens up before April. Are you going to be videoing it? Uh, we are. So on my website, um, if you go to the humblehoof.com slash slash shop, uh, there is a live stream option. Um, and that will be ideally if we can get it to work well, it will be broadcasted live. Um, my husband is a videographer. So if, if it we have issues with it live, he's going to record it so that it can be sent as a recorded video after the fact. Awesome. That's great news. I mean, I think that's one thing we've figured out from the uh, pandemic is video, video, video. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, all right. Well, um, this has been terrific. Thank you, Alicia, again, so much for joining me. I look forward to your event. It looks like I might be able to get there. No promise. Yeah, I can't yet, wait to see you again. <laughs> really hoping. And um, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Just tell your friends about the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel, all the great information that we have over 260 webinars now with just it's all there for you to uh, enjoy, learn, and make an improvement for your horse's life. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you later this week. We've got Dr. Uh, Vargas from um, Spy Coast Farm. And she's going to show us our fitness center that they have for horses now. So looking forward to that. All right. Take care. Bye. Have a good day. Bye.